everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, good morning. How are you today, sir? Woohoo! Sir Alan of the Roundtable, I am here, and I am ready to rock and roll, baby. I thought you were going to rhyme there for a second. No. So, right, no, 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 no. And no. you're here to cheer. I, <laughs> what do you think yeah. I was going to say? That's weird. Yeah, I don't know what you were uh, yeah. thinking there. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here, man. We're going to record another thing. We This podcast we do. I know. it's it, we, we um, Somehow we got a little bit of a gap in our schedule. And it feels like we haven't done this in a few minutes, but we're not behind or anything. So it's kind of weird. I think we got ahead. How crazy is that? That's, I don't know what to do with that. I know, right? <laughs> I don't know how to process that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're here today to talk about Season 5, Episode 19, Article 2. Article 2. Not to be confused with Article 1 or Article 3, because those are totally different. Nope. Also, Article 2.1, that's right out. Right. <laughs> wow. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode uh, was first aired on uh, April 18th of 2013. Yep. Um, and actually this week, uh, the next episode we'll cover, Jerry's Retirement, which is episode 20 of season five, aired the same night, back to back. Oh, that's right. They, yeah. they had a couple of these they in did. season five where yeah. they did back to backs. Yeah, that night Community was the lead in, uh, followed by a repeat of The Office. And then uh, we had Parks and Parks and then Hannibal. I think that uh, I don't know if I like the whole concept of back-to-back episodes. I feel I, like you're gonna you're potentially gonna dump one of the two, and it probably depends on which one's in the awkward slot for people. Like if I'm used to tuning in, you know, back in the day, I mean, kids today might be hearing this or younger folks listening to this, they have no idea what we're even talking about. But you used to like sit down. And you would watch the show at a prescribed time on a prescribed Crazy. channel. Yeah. And then you'd wait for a commercial to run to the bathroom and come back so you didn't miss anything. Yup. Like, that's weird to think of now. That is very weird to think yeah. of. We actually, there's a show we really enjoy. And we were uh, Abbott Elementary, as a matter of fact, we've talked about this show yep. a little bit. Love it. Uh, love it. And we were just so anxious for this week's show that we actually watched it on our Fubo or whatever we got there that does live TV. And, uh, we sat through commercials, Mark. I, I couldn't remember the last time I'd done that. I swear to God, it's been ten years at least. It's some it's some weirdness, isn't it? Isn't it odd that that like you and I look back nostalgically, and in a sense, maybe we we miss some of the of the maybe a little bit. Commercials. Yeah. I don't miss how it made me wait to get back to my show I, that I love, but no. but some of the commercials are fun. They could be, although I'm not a big commercial guy. But when they're creative, they're fun. Yes, I'll, yes. I'll t- occasionally check out Super Bowl commercials. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, this episode had a runtime of 21 minutes and 33 seconds. The standard edition, no producer's cut. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our producer's oh, cut. Up. We're not going to do that again this week. I promised. Okay. <laughs> I, I, got, I got viewer mail about that. Oh, <laughs> I said, tell Mark to move on. Oh, no. <laughs> this week's episode was directed by one and only Amy Poehler. Yay. This is her second of three that she did. She also uh, did, uh, let's see, Grizzlebox. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. So, and then this episode was written by Matt Murray. This is the first of four that Matt is ultimately the writer for. He's known for Community, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Good Place, Rutherford Falls, and uh, a, a show we really like here, Girls 5 Eva. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. Need to check that out. That is an underrated show. It's got Sarah Bareilles, the great singer, and, uh, and, and comedian, as it turns out. She's very funny. Oh, wow. The whole cast is great. Neat. So... If you have a chance, check that out. Well, Mark, why don't you get us into our synopsises and we'll talk about this show. All right. Synopsises incoming. Whew. All right. I got, I got, uh, right, we're going to get stuck there for a second. Broke this into three stories. 
Hey, yeah, there you go. Right. I like to start off like that. Yeah, me too. All right. So my A story is entitled Butter Churning and Birthing Sticks, The Way of the Blunden. <laughs> The city, of, gross. <laughs> the city of Pawnee annually celebrates the Great Pawnee Tea Dump of 1817, but due to how the old-timey script looks, tea looks like Ted, so each year the city dumps a man named Ted into Ramsett Lake. This year, however, the Ted, thrown into the lake, becomes very angry and demands Leslie address the many, many outdated laws still active in Pawnee. To this end, at the next city council meeting, Leslie pr proposes the city purge many of its old and obscure laws. However, citizen Garth Blunden, played by Patton Oswald, is overtly against changing the laws due to historical significance and successfully filibusters the no. meeting to prevent further action. Leslie implores Garth to reconsider. Garth accuses Leslie of having no respect for tradition. Finally, they decide to settle things with a wager. Whoever can survive the longest living primitively at the Pawnee Historical House gets to make the other back down from their agenda. Nice. What will happen? Who will win their competition, Leslie or Garth? Is Garth cheating, or is he just really good at old-timey gibberish? Can Leslie <laughs> get all the chickens out from under her dress? Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot. Very nice job. Uh, yeah, this is our classic uh, Patton Oswald filibuster episode. Oh, yeah. Love it. Yeah, yep. love it, love it, love it. I'm looking forward to talking about that. Well, Mark, this week for my theme, I basically said th these were the original titles of great songs. Okay. Is my theme. So for the A story <laughs> by, by, by our, one of our favorite uh, British uh, you know punk bands, The Clash at the time. Oh, sure. Um, I fought the law and the law is dumb. Oh, all right. What? I thought that was kind of good. No, that's pretty good. It, it, it was a thinker. It made me think on it, and then I decided it was good. All right. I'm well, just jealous. I think you should continue. I'm just... <laughs> All right. Uh, B story I have is entitled as The Money, Fear, and Hunger Games. <laughs> pretty good. Eh, yeah, not bad. All right. Now that April has been promoted to Deputy Director of Animal Control, which we saw in the last episode. Yes, we did. Right? Yeah. Chris requires her, her to complete the Chris Traeger Management Training Seminar oh, sure. or Katumps. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, no, we want to make it clear uh, that for once, this <laughs> acronym is one that the show actually came up with True. and not us. Yeah, we won't take credit for Katumps. Right. April asks Ron to help get her out of the seminar but when chris learns ron has also never had any management training it backfires with ron getting roped in as well as one might expect things do not go well chris is overtly cheery ron is stoic and grumpy april is sarcastic and snarky ron and chris completely disagree on the best motivational methods so chris challenges ron to see whose method works best encouragement slash appreciation slash smiles chris or money fear and hunger ron how will this turn out who will win the competition and what side will april be on can they find a suitable mindless worker drone for their test subject <laughs> they do will they be able to keep their conductor hats from the seminar stick around podcast viewers all will be revealed dot 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 
That's good. I never thought about keeping the hats. That's, I know. I, that is a good question. That's swag, buddy. That's, that's some swag, yeah. Uh, Mark, my, my B story, uh, I had the same B story you did. And uh, mine's, a, 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 you know, the original title of the great Olivia Newton-John classic from the late 70s, early 80s. It was, uh, let's get managerial. Let me hear your motivation talk. Yeah? <laughs> that's that's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> then I wrote these. I <laughs> If you didn't like them, <laughs> I think Constantine wrote them. He's here today. Is that true, Constantine? Did he write? He is nodding vigorously. Yeah, yes, there he, you go. You, you wrote yeah. these. All right. Everyone wants credit for that. All right. <laughs> I, my C story I have as entitled, Walking Around in a Holidays. I like that. Not bad. Yeah. Anne's custom holiday with Leslie, breakfast day, is coming up. Uh-oh. And she found a waffle maker from JJ's Diner on an online auction. Unfortunately, somebody is bidding against her, and she discovers that someone is Ben, who is shopping for a present for his custom holiday with Leslie, waffle day. The two of them battle it out, trying to win the waffle maker, but ultimately lose to the owner of Pawnee Pawn Shop, who they have to then deal with. While all this is happening, both Anne and Ben come to the realization that they are exhausted trying to keep up with the thoughtful but never-ending custom holidays Leslie has come up with for both of them. What will happen? Who will win the coveted JJ's waffle maker? Can Anne and Ben continue dealing with all of these custom holidays? Is there a better solution out there that Leslie will be okay with? Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell. Dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. Uh, my my, fa- my final one of the sea story uh, would be from Super Tramp. Oh, yeah. The original title was Gift a Little Bit. Gift a Little Bit of Your Waffle Maker to Me. <laughs> which apparently was so specific, it just wasn't going to work. So, yeah, they got back in the studio and it fixed that. It is absolutely <laughs> amazing that you are done this great research into these bands. It's incredible. <laughs> I'm glad that's over. I took a long time to figure those out. I'm impressed. Nice yeah. job. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, hey, let's do our AKA and then we'll get into our breakdown. All right. You know, we only select one. I'm not going to do it. All right. <laughs> thank my <God>. AKA. Because <laughs> I did four, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, I'll pick one here before I we yeah. Oh, good. Mine, mine is um, uh, from uh, possibly my my other man crush, Pat Oswalt. Oh, who yeah. I just love, love, yeah. love. Um, well, he remember how in the A story, he and Leslie are going to have an old timey off. Yeah. At oh, the, yeah. At the historic sure. uh, yeah. house there, so everything's old timey. They're doing old timey stuff, and at one point, <laughs> Garth runs along. With a hoop, I think, and he's he's singing, <laughs> "Goodness, how delicious eating goober peas!" <laughs> Cracked me up. Yeah, it, oh. he, he really got into it, didn't he? He is so funny. I he love is good. him. How about you? Uh, well, you know, by the way, I should mention that we did try to get Patton on the show, and he was nice enough to say no in person, which we don't always get. So, you know, even though it was a no, it was nice that he said no. I gotta tell you, I'm chalking that up as a victory. Sure, why not? Right? Hey. Icarus did touch the sun, even though his wings melted. (laughs) He burned his fingers, too. They never talk about that part. Patton, you are our sun. (laughs) Wow. Very nice. Not biologically, just a large. Yeah. Center of of our universe type sun. Damn fire. Yeah. 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 (laughs) He is on fire sometimes, actually. (laughs) 
Mark, my AKA uh, of the four that I finally just chose just now <laughs> was a Tom line. I must do a spit take. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's a Tom line where um, uh, you know, later they're kind of checking Garth out and he, he apparently not as big on the social media as Tom is. For no, example. no, no. And he says, he hasn't gotten an email in 12 days. Is he a ghost? Because <laughs> <laughs> what other explanation could there, there could be? There could be none. None. ridiculous uh good stuff well mark let's get into our breakdown all right well we we open this episode uh with our cold open it's it's relatively short con- considering uh, com- or compared to i should say some of the cold opens we've had recently it's actually a little bit less than a minute just barely uh takes place with an outside shot uh we're at ramsett park lake and we see um it's a sunny day and we see an uh an unruly mob, more enthusiastic than violent, sure. you know, yeah. and they have a guy named Ted on their shoulders. And Leslie is about to read something to this unruly mob with Tom and Andy behind her looking on. Hey, Constantine, start us off right, buddy. Play the clip. Ted, 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 Article 2, Section 2 of the Pawnee Charter reads... Be it decreed, should the taxation of tea rise to an unacceptable level, citizens shall dump Ted into Ramsett Lake. Yeah. Does anyone object? As always, I object. Nay, enough dithering. Dunk the miscreant. Boo! Today is Ted Party Day, where we commemorate the great Pawnee tea dump of 1817. Historical fun fact, when the founding fathers wrote the charter, their old-timey script made one of the A's look like a D. So, tea became Ted. It's just one of those little things that reminds us of Pawnee's rich and vibrant past. Mm. Plus, we get to go find a guy named Ted and throw him into the lake. There is that. I don't even go by Ted! I go by Theodore! I like that. Uh, <laughs> he really should change his name. By now, I wonder how many years in a row this has been. Yeah, he should change his name to something cool like Steve. Steve or Phil. Yeah. <laughs> well, following the splash heard round the world, we jump over to City Hall and Theodore, a.k.a. Ted, is out of the lake looking a bit drier and he does not intend to go back in, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's not real uh, happy about the the proceedings there. No. Um, so we we now jump to City Hall, and like you said, this is some time after the dumping of Ted into Ramsett Lake, and we see Tom and Andy hanging with Leslie in her office, and suddenly Ted, or I guess Theodore, uh, walks in. He's rather angry about all this. So apparently, this has happened in the years past, and he's come to tell Leslie that a he and all the other Teds in town they're done. With this insanity. They, they are not going to be participating anymore. Have a TED and, meeting? Uh, they well, had a TED talk. Oh, brilliant. Well done, sir. <laughs> I still clap myself on that one. Wow. Well, you deserve it. <laughs> and then B, he demands that Leslie do something about Article 2 and all of the other horribly, horribly outdated laws in Pawnee. Leslie resists this a little at first, falling back on the tired reasoning that, one, this is a beloved tradition by many, and two, quote, that's the way it's always been done. Sure. Which I was a little surprised to hear that come out of Leslie's mouth, but all right, you know what? However, Ted makes his point by calling upon two equally outdated laws right there and then. A, he grabs Tom's keys, gives him a quarter, reminds them the Pawnee Charter states a white citizen can seize Indian property for 25 cents. Hmm. So sorry, Tom's car. (laughs) 
<laughs> B, Leslie protests and, quote, raises her voice to Ted, a landowning male, which means that a Pawnee statute tells him he can break a raw egg on her head, which he does. <laughs> Even Leslie, I think, would agree that Ted has made his point. I, I think he made his point very well. Yeah. Yeah. He cracked that egg right on her head, he did. Yep. Well, Mark, our next scene has April seeking help from Ron, but first we get a peek at what sent her to such desperate measures. <laughs> We're still at City Hall, and we see Ron in his office doing work that is clearly important to him. In this case, I think he's sharpening a knife on a whetstone. Sounds right. <laughs> that sounds about right. April walks in looking rather upset. Hey, Constantine, play the clip, please. Ron, you have to help me. Chris is making me do some stupid management training leadership course. Now that you run the Animal Control Department, you have qualified for the Chris Traeger Management Training Seminar, or CATUMPS. It's not a great acronym, but it is a great seminar. Can you get me out of it? Yes. Normally, if given a choice between doing something and nothing, I'd choose to do nothing. Yep. But I will do something if it helps someone else do nothing. I'd work all <laughs> night if it meant nothing got done. <laughs> Ron Swanson and April Ludgate, literally my two favorite people in the cataloged universe. April will not be participating in your pointless course because she has more important things to do, like not participating in your pointless course. Yep. I just want April to become as great a department head as yourself. Which is why this is pointless. I've been head of the Parks Department for 12 years, and I never had any management training course. Ron, you've never been catumpsed. <laughs> I am legally required to catumps every department head. <laughs> Otherwise, we are open to all kinds of liability. What are you saying? I'm saying that tomorrow during the seminar, April is going to have a classmate. And, spoiler alert. It's Alf. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> this went poorly. <laughs> I don't think that went the way Ron thought it was going to go. Do that, you? that totally backfired. And it also got me temporarily excited when I thought maybe Alf would be joining. Them. I know. Right. Yeah. I believe that is uh, our second, at least Alf reference in this show so far. Yep. Yeah. Not, not this episode, but the show. Well, Mark, being in Leslie's inner circle comes at a high price, as we know. And and in this case for Anne, that high price is finding gifts and cards for holidays that even Hallmark hasn't thought of yet. Yep. And they're extensive, man. So, yeah, we're, we're still at City Hall and we see Anne on her laptop outside in the courtyard. And the door opens. We see Donna walk outside. She's drinking some coffee and... She, uh, she, Donna hears Anne cursing and uh, sits down with her and asks what's going on. And Anne explains she found an old waffle, waffle iron from JJ's Diner up for auction on IndieBids.com. Using her account, I might add, with the name Future Mrs. Tiger Woods. Which Saw I that, yeah. Uh, that was one of our reviews, came from Future Mrs. Tiger Woods. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I'm not sure I made that connection at that point. Yeah, yeah, me That's neither. terrific. Yeah, well, well done, Future Mrs. Yes. Tiger Woods. Anyway. Anyway, th this waffle iron would be the perfect, quote, breakfast day gift for Leslie, but she keeps being outbid by someone. And then we have an Anne talking head where she explains to the camera, Leslie has a seemingly endless stream of custom holidays that she makes up for people in her life based on certain meaningful events. For example, breakfast day was the first time they ever of had course. breakfast together, a zoo day, the first time they went to the zoo together, etc. And yes, this is the result of Leslie being her thoughtful self, but it is exhausting to keep up with this. And then scoffs at the dumb name of the person who keeps outbidding her. Tall Tyrion Lannister. Who the hell is that? <laughs> and Anne has no idea what the name is re referencing, but Donna, being a Game of Thrones fan, certainly knows what it's referencing and tells Anne about it. Anne thinks about it for a few seconds, contemplates the Game of Thrones connection, 
realizes who she's bidding against, gets up, storms off. <laughs> this scene uh, made me laugh for several reasons. The, 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 in the reverse order, Donna saying, have you seen those Dothraki dudes? They can get it. Everybody on that show can get it. <laughs> but first, were some of the other holidays that Leslie has come up with. Um, Double Date Day, which is probably the most tame of them. Right. Daniel Day-Lewis Day. Yeah. I'm very curious about that one. Right. Uh, talk Like a Pittsburgh Pirate Day. And of course, Talk Like a Pirate Day. Talk Like a Pirate Day, I get. Talk Like a Pittsburgh Pirate Day. Why and how? No one knows. Well, I, I have a beef with Leslie. She did not invent International Talk Like a Pirate Day. Oh, I know. It's Tuesday, September 19th every year. So, you know, I think she's a little bit of a copycat. That's she, probably she why she did the Pittsburgh. That? Yeah, she appropriated it, but she added Pittsburgh Pirate. Uh, well, yeah. the, for the second one. For the second she, one. She can claim that one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mark, we from here we bounce over to the council chambers where we learn that with Ted Day, a.k.a. Article 2, there is no shortage of crazy laws or crazy citizens when it comes to Pawnee. Well, that's something that we've known Pawnee is flush with. Crazy Pawnee citizens. Definitely. We now cut to city council chambers where the public has been openly invited to join a meeting with the city councilmen and women. And we see Leslie talking to the rest of the council about Pawnee's outdated laws. Constantine, good sir, play the clip. I now realize that I was wrong. And it's time that we purge the books of many of our town's outdated and obscure laws. The bill that I have written with the full support of the city council will repeal 110 obsolete laws, such as all menstruating women shall be confined to their bathtubs and <laughs> Article 2, a.k.a. Ted Party Day. The floor is now open for public comments. Well, here we go. Thank you. My name is Garth Blunden, and I object to your ridiculous proposal. Uh, the Pawnee Charter uh, shall not be changed. Not today, not ever. Wow, a lot of passion, Mr. Blunden. Thank you so much. Your objection is noted and officially in the record. Shall we proceed to... No, no, we shall not. Article 7, Section 3 allows for a citizen filibuster. If I stand here and refuse to yield my time, you are prohibited from voting on the bill. That section defines buffalo meat as acceptable currency. Is that the buffalo meat one? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I meant Article 3, Section 7. <clears throat> Let the filibustering begin. I would now like to share some ideas I have for J.J. Abrams' seventh chapter in the Star Wars saga. Pan down from the twin sons of Tatooine, we are now close on the mouth of the Sarlacc pit. After a beat, the gloved Mandalorian armor gauntlet of Boba Fett grabs onto the sand outside the Sarlacc pit, and the feared bounty hunter pulls himself from the maw of the sand beast. Then uh, he is right. He can do this. This is exactly why we need to modernize these laws. This kind of thing made sense when we had council in a barn and there were 80 people in the town, but, but now this is nuts. If he holds the reality gem, that means he can jump from different realities. This will be our link to the Marvel Universe from the Star Wars Universe. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, that is absolutely brilliant. You're right, Mark. I, I and that's feel, just the small version. That's the small version. In fact, uh, I've got some stats on that later. Oh, and nice. I think we might feature a little clip from the extended cut, which is almost eight minutes long. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I hope so. I'm looking forward to that. Well, after a short break, we come back to the council chambers where Garth is still going. But sadly, he has, as they say, Mark, lost the crowd. 
Well, which I think was the point. Yes. Yes, yes. We we return to city council chambers where it looks like Garth's crazy but impressive filibuster has worked. It worked. Everybody in the crowd's left. All the council members have left. Only Leslie remains, for the most part. Yeah. And so she tiredly gets up from her chair and approaches Garth, who's now winding down, mission accomplished. Leslie asks Garth to reconsider. There are so many active laws that have no more relevance in modern society, they're embarrassing to Pawnee. Garth tells Leslie the Pawnee chapter is not a living document. You can't just change it willy-nilly. And also, by the way, Leslie, you have no respect for the traditions of this town. <gasps> Them's fighting fight, words. Fight, yeah. Absolutely. Leslie acknowledges that the Pawnee founding fathers were brilliant, but also they're the product of a more primitive time. Garth counters, insisting it was a better time, little missy. I added the little Missy. And then pointedly tells Leslie, little Missy, that you would never survive two weeks in their day. This makes Leslie bristle, challenging Garth to a wager. They both go live at the Pawnee Historical Historic House Museum with no modern technology using uh, 1817 rules, so to speak. Garth lasts longer. Leslie withdraws the bill. Leslie lasts longer. Garth stops trying to block the bill. Garth agrees. Brilliant. Yep. That sets up a, a really great thing that's about to happen here. But Mark, I love in this scene, <laughs> He, she says she just wants to get rid of a couple of the laws, right? Yep. And Garf says, well, but that's where it starts, you know? And next thing you know, you've got your jackbooted stormtroopers, you know, ra raiding the, the citizenry. <laughs> and she, she goes, by jackbooted stormtroopers, do you mean the Pawnee Police Department? And then we pan over and we see Clyde, who's like 180 years old. Hi, Leslie. Good Danish today. <laughs> I, I, I also have to say my favorite part, I think, is Leslie is bristling at the thought that she, Garth is claiming she doesn't like traditions. Right. And she says, look, Buster. I'm, I'm this I, tradition. I, I used to give tours at the Pawnee oh, Historical House. Right. I am, I am three times employee of the fortnight. I love that. And he counters by saying, oh, big, you put on a costume for a couple hours. Yeah. Like, the, uh, by that logic... <laughs> Every time I go to bed at night, I am Wolverine. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. You have X-Men pajamas? I won them, madam, in a <laughs> <Madam>. raffle. <laughs> God, he makes me laugh. That is so good, yeah. And I do wonder how, I know his filibuster was 100% unscripted, and we'll talk about that, but I'm curious about some of the, just the other dialogue here. It's very patent. Yes, yes. It's very patent, and I just wonder if he collaborated on the script. So, anyway. Well, Marcus, things come to a title crawl. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very nice. We jump over to Chris's office where it's time to embrace the power of positive motivation. Good luck. <laughs> we now cut to the Chris Traeger Management Training Seminar, or Katumps, as it's now started. Katumps. It's, uh, it's a nine-hour seminar. Oh, I, is a, I've been in that one. Is, <laughs> Chris asks all of them, including himself, to write down what they hope to gain from the seminar and seal it in an envelope and they'll read it when the seminar is over. I've done that before. Sure. Ron and April are not happy about any of this. Even when Chris cheerily passes out train conductor hats, pulls out a wooden train whistle and to jazz things up. And what more could you ask for? Not much. Mm. Well, meanwhile, over at the Sweetums Foundation, Anne arrives and has a breakfast beef with Ben, and he is no help as he just waffles on in a new direction. 
Wow. Yeah. So yeah. breakfast beef. So like country fried steak? Yeah. Oh, very, there? very nice. Or if you're from Canada, you know, the uh, back bacon there stuff. Oh, that is delicious. Good stuff. That's the real bacon. That is the real bacon. The other is the imitation. I'm I'm waiting for, uh, you know, faux Canadian back bacon. What, faking? It'd be f- flacking. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. <laughs> we now stop this and cut to Ben's Thank office you. at the Sweetums Foundation, where <clears throat> future Mrs. Tiger Woods, or I mean Anne, storms in and she's on a mission. Constantine, play the clip, please. Stop bidding on my waffle iron. Your future Mrs. Tiger Woods? I made that profile like 10 years ago. I don't know how to change it. The point <laughs> is, I'm getting that waffle iron for Leslie for breakfast day. Uh, no, you're not. I'm getting it for her for waffle day. Wait, you have a breakfast day too? Mine's in June. Please, Ben, this is the celebration of the anniversary of the first time we hung out at JJ's, which she considers the beginning of our friendship. Well, imagine being married to her. It's like being smothered with a hand-quilted pillow filled with cherished <laughs> memories. I can't believe I'm complaining about how thoughtful my wife is sorry honey i love you i have known her for longer i have five years worth of anniversaries so i have seniority oh god oh no we've lost the auction what no somebody swooped in at the last second and now we're both screwed no okay terry and lannister why don't you just cast a spell and get us the waffle iron back oh okay i don't even have time to tell you how wrong you are Actually, it's going to bug me if I don't. The Lannisters, while very wealthy, do not possess the magical abilities of, say, the warlocks of Karth, for example. This is why we don't hang out. Yeah. Fair enough. Totally fair. Yep. Well, back at Traeger Station, the Katumps continue, and Ron and April may not be the easiest students to motivate, Mark. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's he's got a challenge in front of him. Chris tells them both that positivity is the best way to run a team which seems appropriate for a cheerful Chris Traeger, sure. right? Ron fundamentally and grumpily disagrees with this, insisting that there are only three ways to motivate people. Money, fear, hunger, which will always beat the Chris Traeger encouragement, appreciation, smiles. Hmm. April rolls her eyes and claims snarky indifference. Chris smiles and cheerily takes this as a challenge and suggests they have a contest to see whose motivational methods are more effective. Ron agrees. Well, all I know is that her spirit blood is on their hands. Well, he's already taught her so much. He really I has. realize part of Katump's involves spirit blood. No, I, I didn't either. I, I would have signed up, even if it's nine hours long. I know. Well, we now move over to the Pawnee Historic House and Museum. And I'll just say, Mark, all of the antiques are dope, especially that bonnet Leslie is rocking. Yeah, that is a dope bonnet there. The scene opens with an outside shot of an engraved sign that indeed reads Historic Site, Pawnee Parks and Recreation, Historic House Museum, registered 1952. Both Leslie and Garth are present, and they're now dressed as you might expect, Alan, in old-timey clothes. They're ready for their contest, and they put all their modern devices in a pail, so nothing can be used that was invented past 1817. Tom and Andy are also there and have, eh, somewhat reluctantly maybe, uh, agreed to be referees for the two of them. Leslie finds out Garth actually slept there last night wanting to be there, (laughs) quote, when the cock crows to get the chores done. Oh my God. She's a little intimidated, I think, but she's still determined to win this contest. I, I, I would be intimidated too. I know. He's all over this. 
In fact, I think if he lived here in, uh, you know, just north of Pawnee, the real Pawnee, uh, he probably would have gone to one of these real ones called Connor Prairie we have here. Mark, you've been there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of a cool place. It is. They've got like four experiences. I think there's a 1816, 1836, uh, and then there's a Civil War one at the end too. But yeah, we went there on a class field trip, which they also mention in this later that, you know, the only time anyone goes here is on class field trips. So, so, so fun. It, it was definitely a throwback. In fact, in sixth grade, I got to see a pig slaughtered right in front of me. Let's just move on. <laughs> I'll just say this. It left me with a memory. I think it left you with a life of vegetarianism. <laughs> I, it took a while, but Dr. Richard Nygaard has helped me move on. <laughs> well, that's good. He is amazing. Are you a fellow Nygaardian? I'm a Nygaardian. Oh, yep. Excellent. Well, once again, we're back to the competition for the perfect gift, but the contest has moved to a new venue, one that we're familiar with and now has another competitor to boot. Oh my gosh. Uh, that's right. That's right. We cut to Ben entering someplace we've been before, the Pawnee Pawn Shop. Lurpusville. The Lurpusville bite bite. And they were talking to the owner, Herman Lurpus, uh, who we've seen many, oh, many yeah. times. He's tried to get a date with Anne. And <laughs> yes. He really likes nitrous. He, and really he likes does, the, yes. the porno shop. And all <laughs> that. So anyway, apparently Ben found out Mr. Herman Lurpus was the winner of the much coveted waffle maker, and he has come to buy it from him. Not a bad idea, but it seems Ben was not the only one. Anne is already there, as is Leslie's mailwoman, Roz, who apparently needs a present for her custom Leslie holiday mail day. With Ben and with Ben Ann and Roz all wanting to buy it, Herman starts what he calls, quote, an old fashioned pawn shop waffle iron bidding war. You know, <laughs> like they had in old times. Sure. The bids start, the bids continue climbing. Roz even offers anything out of her mailbag, which could be considered a bit illegal. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Herman offers to just give it to Anne if she'll go out on a date with him. Mm. Uh, see, nice callback. And Anne considers, and the, while she's considering, Ben says, 500 bucks. Herman says, sold. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben is the winner? Yeah. yeah. Well, more than Anne, because <laughs> Herman says, you still want to go out? I just came into some money. 500 bucks buys a lot of nitrous. A lot of nitrous. <laughs> I don't know where his night he gets his nitrous, but it's flowing freely. It's a van. It is a van down by, by the, the river. river. Yep. Yes, yes, it is. Well, back at the historic house, Garth is having too much fun, and Leslie smells something suspicious, you know, other than that rancid butter in her churn. Well, she's not the greatest at that. No. Yeah, we're, we're back at the historic house museum, and we see Leslie and Garth with an old-timey, good old-fashioned butter churning butter off. I don't know how <laughs> to finish butter the off. sentence. Yeah, uh, that's what they so, called them. Surprisingly, yeah. <laughs> surprisingly for such a little uh, seemingly uh, chubby little out of shape guy, Garth is a monster. Like he really uh, knows his stuff. His butter was so good, it almost made Andy faint. Um well, butter's now his favorite food. He just realized that. I know. <laughs> While Leslie's butter looks more like a horrible uh clumpy I could smell it just by looking at it. A horrible clumpy mess that maybe belongs on the set of the movie Aliens. Yeah. Um, uh, we quickly uh, cut to nighttime. Uh, Leslie and Garth are now in their old-timey pajamas, naturally, and they're getting ready to go to sleep. And Leslie gives us a very brief talking head, admitting, Garth is really good. Like, it's, I'm getting a little freaked out. He's really good. He's really determined. And I may be in over my head. She may be. Yeah. 
Well, after a short break, we continue at this historic house and we see just how much Garth is truly enjoying his time here in Tom's version of his own personal hell. So we go to the next morning. Somehow they survive the night, whatever. And uh, uh, thought the coyotes might get them. (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully they can protect themselves from the Wolverines. And we see uh, we see Leslie sitting on the porch with Tom and Andy discussing how things are going. Although something odd appears to be happening uh, underneath Leslie's uh, hoop skirt. Hey, Constantine, play this clip, please. Wait, what's up? Do you guys feel that? How long was that under there? Man, Garth is a machine. He brought his own whale blubber to light the lamps. I thought he was going to last an hour max. It's like he's getting stronger the longer he stays here. Wee! Look at my hoop, Leslie! Look at my hoop! <laughs> Who could live like this? No one. That's why we've moved on. It's fun to be here on like a school field trip or something. It's so, so, so fun. So, so fun. But to live like this is insane. He must have cheated somehow. I mean, there's no way a man who's into X-Men that much can stay away from the internet that long. We should check his phone. Goodness, how delicious. Eating goober peas. <laughs> There's your AKA. Oh, God help me. He it's just so cracks good. me up. He does. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and there was my reference to the school field trip as well. Yeah. 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 You know, that hoop thing he's doing, they actually have one of those at our Connor Prairie. I've tried it. I'm guaranteeing you, Pat Oswald had to practice to get that good at it. It's That's not, not the easiest easy. thing no, in the world. It is not. It's not. I, I'm so glad Xbox is so much easier. Oh, yeah. Although I'm terrible at that too. Although, did you buy the Xbox game? uh hoop player <laughs> did not that's actually pretty difficult is it yeah. wow i have to give that a try yeah <laughs> well back at city hall another contest is underway this one however is focused on being right versus living right we now cut to city hall where we see jerry in the bullpen and chris cheerfully approaches him carrying a big box of red files and asks him to stop what he's doing and file as many of these as he can and he proceeds to tell jerry you are smart and capable and I believe you can accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. And Jerry just beams and immediately gets to work, clearly motivated by Chris's positive encouragement. The scene ends with Chris and Ron observing Jerry from an office window, kind of like a science experiment. And uh, <laughs> actually, Donna walks up at the very end with some popcorn and says, hey, you guys, uh, what are you doing there? You guys are doing experiments on Jerry? And like, yeah, cool. Just munches she's popcorn. In. Yeah, she's going to see how this turns out. <laughs> Well, from there, Mark, we quickly bounce back to the historic house and Leslie and the guys discover that Garth is actually the real deal, albeit one without much social media cachet. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of cachet of any type. No. Um, He's cachet less. (laughs) Um, So we go back to the funny historical house museum and we see Leslie and Tom and Andy break into the aforementioned pail that contains everybody's modern devices. And they look at the contents of Garth's phone and they realize the following. A, Garth hasn't received any emails in 12 days. Is he a ghost? He might be. B, the only emails Garth does get are spam and he actually responds to those. Oh, no. It seems that Garth has absolutely no friends. And Andy looks out the window and sees Garth standing with dad gum at the mule and and possibly who is the only friend garth has which is funny but this is also pathetic and cringefully sad a little sad yeah yeah i agree well mark we bounce back to city hall again this time for a very short scene with ben and ann catching up this is 
something else. And actually, this is a great visual scene. It is. So here we go. Ben Ben enters Anne's office where she is apparently creating some sort of hideous looking breakfast food monstrosity. <laughs> Has the base body of a doll. Uh-huh. Which I might add, so did Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> However, the head is missing. Oh, good. Uh-huh. And on top of the severed neck is a waffle uh. to which is pinned a grape for a nose, I guess. And also uh, two small pancakes with grapes in the middle for large, scary, bulbous eyes. On top of the waffle head is a mess of what looks like actual doll hair. I'm just hoping it's not human hair. <laughs> it has a dress made of bacon strips Uh i think well why not the right hand of the thing is holding a popsicle (laughs) stick stuck into what looks like a bagel Uh, apparently this is supposed to be a miniature version of leslie made out of breakfast food it's not a bad idea on paper no horrible execution terrifying alan i'm not saying that this is the doll from uh-huh. the 80s horror film trilogy of terror <laughs> but i, I can't that. i can't swear it's not <laughs> if if it had been made a breakfast suit it would be it <laughs> anyway yes so anyway getting over the shock of the whatever whatever it is Ben asks Anne if she wants to go in on the waffle iron together. To That's which, a good idea. Yeah, to which Anne readily agrees. Ben then tells Anne he has a plan that can hopefully get them out of this constant cycle of thoughtful but exhausting Leslie holidays without right. making them seem like ungrateful people. Well, thank Again, God. Anne readily agrees. Yeah. But but then she says, but what should I do with this? Mm. And Ben says, just burn it and bury the ashes and pray it doesn't haunt you. Yeah. That's I mean, I think do. that's good advice. Hey, I saw the X-Files uh, episode with the Tulpa. That's what oh, you have to do. I'd forgotten about that one. That's a scary <laughs> one. There are several really scary ones. Yep. I had forgotten that one. We were just talking about X-Files. We were. Yeah. Well, down the hall from Ann's office, there is a new sheriff in town, and he is whipping out a new assignment for Jerry. And the battle of management styles continues. In the bullpen, we see Jerry happily and busily filing the red files for Chris. That's the sound of him filing. And then Ron, Ron enters. Those are red files. Oh yeah. Ron enters with the green a, files sound different. With a large block of a box of blue files. Oh, blue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he approaches Jerry, and he tells him to switch over to his stuff as it is top priority. And he smacks the candy bar out of his hand, telling him he can eat when he's done, and then loudly barks at him, file. And then Jerry, visibly shaken by Ron's tone, oh, geez, oh, geez, he gets to work right away. And we have a short talking head where Ron reiterates, money, fear, hunger. There it is. Yep. Well, Mark, back at the historic house, it's time for Leslie to turn in her bonnet and to help Garth find something meaningful outside of his current fixation that will allow everyone to come out of this a winner. We cut to the Pawnee Historic House Museum, where Garth is sitting on the porch working on uh, something. And then he <laughs> sees, uh, we, we then see Leslie approach Garth, and surprisingly, Leslie is once again dressed in modern clothes. Hey, Constantine, do the honor, sir. Play this one last clip. Hey there, Garth. What's your whitlin'? A birthing stick. Ugh. What's that? 
You do not want to know. Oh my God. You look beautiful. I mean, you change clothes. Violation, I, I, I challenge. You are bonnetless. Yes, you're you right. I admit, I can't take it anymore. You win. Huzzah, the day is mine! <laughs> I, I'm gonna miss saying huzzah. Yeah, Garth, I have another proposition. Yes, I will go out on a date with you, but I realize you're a modern woman, so I will let you pay. <laughs> no. I was wondering, would you like to join the Pawnee Historical Commission? Those clowns? No, thank you. Uh, they, they haven't answered a single one of my complaints about their anachronistic use of fonts in their newsletter. Well, I'm a member, and I think we could really use you. But the only problem is there's tons of meetings, lots of work with people who also love history, and many social occasions that you're going to have to attend, like cocktail parties and such. I can understand if it's something you don't want to commit to. Just sounds like such a big bite out of my soap making time. Oh, come on. My cousin's <laughs> Raymond is in May. But that's like day. I just fly out, I come back the same day. On a trial basis, yes. 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 Great. Welcome to the team. Aww. Garth dropped his protest, and we were able to get rid of all the outdated laws in the town charter. I mean, the charter is a wonderful document, but we've had the benefit of almost 200 years of learning and advancing. Seems to me we ought to use it. I did not change Article 2, though. I just couldn't vote against a good old-fashioned lake dunking. Though Garth and I did come up with a compromise that I think will make everybody happy. From this year hence, a volunteer will represent Ted in our town's most historic and cherished tradition. This year, the honor goes to Mr. Garth Blunden. Huzzah! I'm Ted! I'm Ted! I'm Ted too, guys! Andy! Oh, no. oh my God. He's naked, everybody! Put that away! We're all Ted! No, Thank God. I don't know how to swim. <laughs> you know when he says we're all Ted? Yes. I really thought that that was going to turn into a Spartacus moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was good. They missed an opportunity. Yeah. They really Have did. everyone just jump into the lake. Yeah. And then, therefore, that diffuses it for everyone because now everyone does Everyone's it. Everyone's Ted. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I like that. Or, you know, like uh, my, my friend Syndrome from The Incredibles would well, say, sure. yeah. if everybody's Ted, then nobody's Ted. Don't you have a man crush on Jason Lee too? Maybe. Okay. Shut up. Um, <laughs> all I'll say about that there at the end of the Andy thing with the, the naked and stuff, that was one big pasty white blob of a man. He <laughs> yeah. is not in uh, star Lord shape yet. This is, this is pre star Lord. It's pre star Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I think at this point he may know it's coming, but he has not started the regimen. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. He really hasn't. Although I shouldn't say anything. Look at me. Well, anyway, back at City Hall, the results are in and we bring our B story to a close with an excellent lesson on management skills and the art of deceit all at the same time. We cut to City Hall where we see Chris and Ron sitting with Donna in the Parks and Rec conference room ready to review the final results of the motivational technique competition. The final tally, Alan, Chris. Red Files, 268. Nice. Not bad. Ron, Blue Files, 384. Oh, well, we have a clear winner then. Donna reveals two additional points of interest there, bucko. First, Jerry was so happy when Chris told him that he was doing a great job that he spent 20 minutes on the phone telling Gail about it. <laughs> Second, Jerry may have technically filed more Blue Files for Ron than Red Files for Chris, but... They're almost all filed wrong, very likely a result of how shaken up Jerry was due to Ron's approach. Mm. They then open the envelopes they sealed at the very beginning and read them out to see if they match their predictions. 
Chris. I hope to be able to engage Ron and April in the process. Success. Ron, I will learn nothing. Success. <laughs> April, I will pit Ron and Chris against each other. They'll argue about dumb stuff that doesn't matter. I will bail. Then I'll steal $20 from Chris's wallet and buy pizza with Andy. Oh, and I'll also steal Ron's watch just for fun. And then, so they're, they're reading this out loud for yeah. us to hear. Where is April? And then right on cue, they look out into the courtyard where they see April sitting with Andy eating pizza, which she purchased with the $20 she stole from Chris's right. wallet. April glances at them, smiles, and also holds up Ron's watch before going back to pizza with Andy. Ron and Chris both smile at this, actually, and agree April will make a fine manager. Very true. Yeah. Then April has that cute talking head. She says, it's my favorite kind of battle. Two men enter, one me leaves. That's the only way that a Ludgate can flow. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, go with the flow, I say. Yup. Well, finally, Mark, we have reached the kicker and also wrap up our C story with a lesson, ironically, on two important management skills, compromise and preparation. We see Ann and Ben enter Leslie's office carrying the waffle maker together, telling Leslie, happy breakfast slash waffle day. Leslie is over the moon pleased. However, they tell her this will be the last breakfast day and or waffle day that will be celebrated simply because they can't keep up with all the anniversaries. It's too much, especially since Leslie is so good at them. They have a compromise, though. Every year, there will be one day, Ann Day, where all of Ann's holidays will be celebrated. And similarly, there's going to be one day, Ben Day, where all of Ben's holidays will be celebrated. Leslie looks shrewdly at them, asks if they can make it Ann Month and Ben Month <laughs> of instead. And Ann and Ben look at each other before countering with Ann Week and <laughs> Ben Week, to which Leslie grudgedly agrees. And there's a rather smug talking head where Ann and Ben uh, admit they opened with a day planning to negotiate Leslie ah, down to a week. They're so smart. smart. However, Leslie quickly adds there will be a third week called Friend Week then, and, to, and the, that will commemorate <laughs> this week when her two best friends became each other's best friends. And then Leslie follows up with a Friends Week present for them both already, already. gift wrapped and enhanced to them. It seems maybe Leslie was one step ahead of them after all. I think she's always one step ahead of them. Fade to black. Fade to black. Yep. Nice job in the breakdown, Mark. Well, hey, let's take a quick break. We'll we'll chat this thing up when we get back, and then we'll do our scores. Let's do it, man. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Are you looking for basic practical learning without suffering through courses that can take multiple hours or, heaven forbid, even an entire day or days? Do you seek guidance in your life but are tired of long-winded explanations, unsupported theories, and self-examination that never seems to get to the point? If so, stay tuned, and you too may be able to avoid getting katumpsed. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Not too long ago, I was forced to complete the Chris Traeger Management Training Seminar, or Katumps, a loathsome multi-day event designed to allegedly make you a better manager. They thought by giving it a short and playful name such as Katumps, it would make it more palatable. They were sadly mistaken. I will admit that there are some already improved and streamlined learning systems that exist, such as a fancy new thing known as a TED Talk, which is intended to get the point across in no more than 18 minutes. 
while this is trending in the right direction, even 18 minutes of hearing someone drone on during a TED talk is nearly as bad as being named TED on TED Party Day and being subsequently thrown in like Ramsey. It is with these annoyances in mind that I have developed my own learning management system known as Ron's One Minute Seminar. I have even given it a short and playful name, ROMS. And that's how you make an acronym, Traeger. <clears throat> Join us every Tuesday night as I lead a ROMS class at the William Percy Recreation Center located in Greater Pawnee. The classes cover a wide variety of different practical subjects each week designed to help people in their everyday lives. Here is a short list of the many subjects I have covered using ROMS. How to be a man. How to fill in a pothole. Grilling the perfect burger. Pouring the perfect glass of Lagavulin. How to invest in gold for fun and profit. Why governments are ineffective and stupid. And for sheer entertainment value, join my Best of America Cinema series, Herbie Fully Loaded, and the only three other movies you need to watch. When you do attend your first ROMS class, tell me I sent you, and receive a 10% coupon off of your first visit to Mr. Mustache's Musical Emporium, a division of Swanson Industries. <clears throat> Thank you. That is all. everybody we're back well hey mark let's talk about our deleted scenes as we usually do at this point we had about seven scenes i think i clocked this week That's running about four minutes yeah yeah so um you know they were a little longer and uh, not as many but there were some interesting ones i you know april's trying to get out of being katumpsed um i think there's a little more exp uh, expository on uh you know how they need to find a test candidate yeah. and it needs to be Jerry because, you know, Jerry. Uh, so, you know, I don't think we needed it, but it was interesting to see that because it kind of did paint the picture of how they got to Jerry so quickly. Cause I think it feels like in that particular storyline, we jumped to that very quickly. Like it's a little bit of a system shock. A little bit. I, I, I think the way I felt about it was like in general, these deleted scenes were, were decent. If you have the DVD collection, I yeah. definitely recommend watching them. I think that they were the right choices, yeah. Uh, but but still entertaining. I'll tell you the one that I I did lament a little bit that they did not keep, although it was roughly forty five seconds long. And of course, you know, trying to clock this thing at your normal standard time, you can't add something that long. But basically, it's uh, that night that you know Leslie says, you know, no, we're not going to pretend we're husband and wife. Go right. ahead. And Garth is journaling very loudly. Right. And it's all this establishment shot of the cabin at night. Right. We never see them in their rooms, but we hear him basically going through this list, this diatribe right. over 45 seconds of classic patent material. Oh, yeah. So it was really good. So if you do have the DVDs, check that out. And of course, we'll we'll get to the filibuster here in a minute. So Mark, how about tropes uh, first and fun facts? Let's jump right into those. I actually, I actually came up with no firsts. I actually had one, and I think it's fully valid. What's that? Actually, two, technically. Um, well, first, this is the lamer of the two. I said, this is the first time. If you ever looked at like IMDb, or and we just do this in our heads too, of course, you know, every week there's a reference to something, 
another thing within within pop culture. They yeah. call them connections, right? If you go look at IMDb. Yeah. And usually you'll see two or three per week. That's pretty average. Go look at the list on this one. You have to scroll like twice. It's probably 30 things. It's the first time they've had that. And I think it's largely because of the filibuster. But yes. at the same time, it's the first time I've ever seen a list of connections that looked anything like that. I'll buy that. All right. The one I think is a little more valid is this is the first filibuster. There is another. There is another one. Yeah. Oh, that's Season a good six, call. episode six. In fact, it's titled filibuster. filibuster. Yeah. Yeah. Nice job. Yeah. That, so, that qualifies for sure. Yeah. How about tropes, Mark? I did have some of those. Um, I have PBJ for Punching Bag Jerry. He's the perfect mindless worker drone, of course. Of course. Um, CSL, Chris says literally. Yep. Although I do not have Chris says Ann Perkins because they were not in the same storyline. They were not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're going to fix that in the next episode. (laughs) OCC, overly cheerful Chris. Nice. Um, I think we said it differently at some point, but that's that's how I put it. I like it. Um, I had... CL, competitive Leslie, and OPL, yeah. over-prepared Leslie. Although, even though she was competitive and over-prepared, not enough to defeat the mighty and pathetic Garth Blunden. That's true. Interesting. Well, well she, she was also of... over-prepared with, with Chris and, uh, excuse me, with Ben and, and Anne. Yeah, yeah. She already true. had the present for the new holiday she had yet to invent. Great point. Yeah. Um, sweet, stupid Andy. We're all Ted as he streaks naked and dives into the lake. They totally missed a Spartacus moment there. Yep. Um, ben. Ben is a nerd. Uh, when he explains all the ways of what Anne said about Game of Thrones was wrong. Yeah. Um, MTC. Mugs to the camera. I clocked April and Andy. That that may have been it. I'm not sure. There may be some others. I think there's a Ben in there. Could have been. Yeah. Uh, I had I had CP for crazy Pawneeans. Although. I know a lot of times if we have like town halls, we'll yeah. have like a slew of lesser known characters. Uh, this is mainly Garth's or yeah. there weren't as many it, uh, it qualifies, individual standouts. The so spirits like qualifies. There. Yeah, yeah. Ex- absolutely. Um, fun with names, Garth Blunden, Katumps, like good stuff. Yeah. LWL, lousy with Lurpuses. Yeah, I had that one too. <laughs> <laughs> and I had, um, I think this one qualifies. H-L-L-N. Herman Lurpus likes nitrous. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty specific, but I think it qualifies. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, that's a good Did one. Did I miss any? I, I only had one in addition. Actually, two. I think we'd clocked this one before. Leslie is the superior gift giver. Like, oh, I don't yeah. have a good acronym for it. but the, And then the only other one I had that you didn't already have, Mark, was um, Sad Dolls. And this is my reference back to... Um, Basically, you remember the episode where Ben is depressed and he says, you know, how how could I make something like this if I were depressed? And it's his little sad claymation, Aww. that little doll of himself. Yeah. So sad dolls. That's uh, episode uh, 11 <laughs> from season four, Comeback Kid. So uh, that's funny. Yeah. I love anything having to do with claymation and Ben. Yeah. Well. <laughs> uh, Mark, how about goofs? Did you have any goofs? I had a few uh, that I clocked mostly from the Internet. I had none. Okay. What'd you have? Well, there were two on there, and these are these are nerdy, I have to say. So Donna is talking to Ben uh, to Anne rather about Game of Thrones and says that Tyrion Lannister is the Lord of Casterly Rock. That's not true because Tywin never made Tyrion his actual heir, so therefore Casterly Rock does not have a lord. I actually saw that and Mike Shore at one point commented that that's actually not a mistake. That's just Donna's 
mistaken understanding of uh, of the Game of Thrones, you know, the the way they play the game. Yeah. Well, or sure. or it's just like, you know, retconning a mistake. I, either way. Either way. Look, everybody on that show can get it. <laughs> That's the important thing. <laughs> Have you seen those Southraki men? Mm. Uh, and then the other one that uh, was uh, presented by the Internet this week, uh, when Leslie and Garth are living in the Pawnee historical house, they aren't supposed to wear anything later than 1817. However, Leslie's hoop skirt was not the fashion for women until the mid-19th century, three decades later. Look at my hoop skirt, Leslie. Look at my hoop skirt. <laughs> he does like hoops. Yeah. Uh, fun facts, Mark. Did you have any of those? I had just a, a general, I'm going to call what I wrote here a blathering, um, about, about yeah, uh, Patton Oswalt's beyond brilliant filibuster yeah. scene. So both I, got I, I basically had three points to make, I guess. One, we alluded to, he actually improvised an eight-minute monologue that links uh, Star Wars and Marvel and in incorporates Greek mythology. Hannibal and, Lecter. And, and the yeah. entire uncut take appears as an extra on the season five DVD set for those of you who have that greatly. Uh, also on YouTube, easy to find. Also easily findable In fact, on we'll, here's my commitment, Mark. Uh -huh. We're going to force one of them, their interns, mm -hmm. to update our website for the first time in a while. It's embarrassing. Wow. And this week, we'll post a link to the YouTube video. Nice. I think that's worth us actually doing. Oh, I like it. I like it. Hear that? All right, you got to yeah. play a it looks confused. with Harvey. Right. We'll, we'll walk him through it. Eh. So the second thing is... Uh, uh, Speaking of the uh, Marvel Universe, uh, good old Patton Oswalt is actually a regular on Marvel's TV show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., sure. uh, which started in 2013 yeah. and is therefore part of the Marvel Universe. I saw that, but they also missed one because later he also was in the animated MODOK series and therefore another part of the Marvel Universe. Well, I mean, he's in there twice. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> All the good ones are in there twice. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and then the third point is an oldie but a goodie. We've said this a bazillion times, but it's always fun to say. You know who else is part of the Marvel Universe? Oh, Star-Lord Chris Pratt as Andy plays Peter Quill, which we all know. And I'm tired of saying it, but it's, it's still fun. It is. It's it's crazy to think of all these years later. But, yeah. You know, that that filibuster, I, I didn't I think there are some articles out there where you could literally go see everything that came true because it, it's kind of Nostradamusy, right? It's it prognosticated quite a bit. Like in fact, the way the book of Boba Fett opens is literally with Boba Fett crawling out of the Sarlacc. Pit. Yeah. I mean Oh yeah. It was weird. It makes you wonder if somehow because that got so famous, if the people you know, John Favreau and team as they were making those shows, maybe just followed that just so. Let's it, springboard off of this. Why, why not? Why not I mean, use it? It wasn't it's a not, bad idea. Oh, no, no. That's what gets me about this is is not only is Patton Oswalt hilariously funny, he is a true to bad to oh, the bone yeah. comic book nerd extreme. So like when he comes up with this stuff. It's not bad. It's not bad. And it is 100% unscripted. <laughs> that is a take. That That is a camera shot. If you look at it, there are no cuts. Marquis went for eight minutes. In fact, at the end, you can see him peter out because his mouth is so dry he can't go on. 
and and the crowd and like the the cast is going nuts. Oh like, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he predicted you know the the depth of Thanos, right? Which at that point only the first Avengers movie was out, so you know he kind of co- prescripted that book of Boba Fett, the focus on Spider Man coming into the MCU again, um, and then elements really of all three remaining Star Wars films because the first of which was about I think was maybe still in draft at that point. In fact, so right. it's kind of crazy how much in there came true. I wanted to mention. Just a couple of quick nerd stats. So in the actual canon cut of this episode, we see about 88 seconds of the filibuster, right? R- roughly a minute and a half right. between the two scenes with the little tiny fade to black in the right, middle. Right. In the extended cut, you know, if you go watch that on the YouTubes, they run a little fun you know, Star Wars style crawler over at the beginning, the last about 30 seconds, but from 30 seconds to eight minutes and 11, which is a total of seven minutes and 41 seconds, it is patent. Just go, go, go. And it is crazy. Wow. Uh, So it is worth a listen. In fact, um, that section where they fade out, they, there's a piece there that I thought we should actually play here. Oh, okay. This is going to start basically right at the point before they had to fade the black and kind of go through it and then connect to the Thanos piece on the other side. Because I think this piece is just crazy predictive. So sure. here we go. Imperial Destroyer, uh, which has now been taken over by the Rebels. Uh, Commander Luke Skywalker, now a full Jedi Knight, uh, training new Padawans, uh, is using, ironically, uh, his father Anakin's red lightsaber, which will be uh, a, a symbolic, I think, visual for his battle uh, with how to uh, both bring about the new uh, Jedi Order uh, while still um, acknowledging his father's uh, fall from grace. This is uh, as he is training <laughs> the Padawans, we pan outside of the control uh, window to a nearby asteroid where we see, and please allow me to finish this because it's going to seem like a bit of a jump, we see Thanos, who was the oh, villain teased at the end of the first Avengers movie. Now, Thanos, as you know, owns the Infinity Gauntlet, which has the time gem, the mind gem, the power gem, the space gem, and the reality gem. If he holds the reality gem, that means he can jump from different realities. This will be our link from to the Marvel Universe from the Star Wars Universe. Uh, we then cut to Earth, uh, Tony Stark, uh, realizes okay, uh, that okay. there is she, Tony Stark realizes this is someone that I there know. is a, I know Tony Stark. Is. I know who that is. This is the first person I've known. Tony Stark realizes I I do not recognize uh, the chair. Tony Stark realizes that there has been a disturbance uh, in in what he will call a time ribbon. Uh, For the time being, I will allow uh, J.J. Abrams to think of a better uh, term for this. Uh, And and he then starts to assemble uh, the the cream of the Marvel Universe, not not the second tier superheroes that we saw in the first Avengers movie. I'm sorry, but (laughs) Hawkeye and Black Widow are not first tier. He would go find, uh, hello, Spider-Man. Spider-Man exists in that universe. He would go find Moon Knight. He would go find Daredevil. He would go uh, find Hercules. And then that can bring in the entire... Uh, a pantheon of Greek gods that we saw. Yeah, I, I don't know about the pantheon of Greek gods. We didn't get that far, but everything else he said there, including Moon Knight, which has now been a you know, Disney Plus series, um, they've they've done all those things. Oh, it's going to happen. Yeah. The Greek gods are You think so? Come. Oh, it's, it's, it's in the stars, man. It's going to happen. As they say, it's in the stars. Yeah. I love it. So, yeah. Anyway, just a, a short example, about a minute more and a half more of stuff you did not hear there, where he, it's just... He's just going like you can see his brain like he's probably three steps ahead of himself waiting for it just to come out of his mouth. I don't I have no idea how he does it. Well, 
I have I have one of two theories. Either either A, it's like you said that this is because he's obviously tremendously frighteningly good at improv. Yeah, he is. So he has the chops to be able to improv yeah. this. Um, B, the other possibility is that he is such a Marvel nerd and a Star Wars nerd. I can imagine in his little dark secret, little, little Patton Oswalt yeah. heart of hearts, he may have written like potential books about this and just been <laughs> like, this is it. This is my time. <laughs> All the fanfic he's been writing, yes! he can now use as a diatribe. I love it. I love that theory. That's great. Um, I, the last thing I'll say on this was, um, you know, basically he was asked in an in interview a few years ago about this specific uh, diatribe. And he said, you know, there was nothing in the script. All it was, was Gar starts to begin to filibuster. Mm. And they told me, just do whatever you want. The directions were simple. Gar starts to filibuster. That's it. And then he thought it'd be like 10 seconds or so. And then they'd cut away. And of course, you know, we got at least a minute and a half in the canon episode. And of course, now we get to watch this uh, eight minute version if you go out and get it. So I think that I can say without exaggeration or hyperbole, mission accomplished. Yeah, definitely. Mission accomplished. Yep. Nice job, Patton. All right, Mark, let's get into our scores. I think it's time. All right. Scoring incoming. Well, all right. At this point, it's going to seem like I'm gilding the lily. But my MVP for this episode is uh, the one and only Patton Oswalt. Nice. As, as, as my only other man crush besides Ron Swanson. Um, so I, I cannot overstate this. Patton Oswalt is simply hilarious and brilliant. I I will openly admit I am horribly, horribly biased. I have loved Patton Oswalt's comedy going all the way back to 2004 with his first comedy album, Feeling Kind of Patton. And even farther than that, with when he played the role of Spence Olchin on oh, the sure. sitcom King of Queens, Kings with Wayne. Kevin James yeah. and Leah Remini. I remember when we first met Mark, I thought you were really funny. And then I think about a year into our relationship, I realized you were just recycling Patton bits. I would say 60 to 65% of my jokes and maybe even my personality came from horribly, <laughs> horribly, horribly stealing his material shamelessly. But when I confronted you about it, you'd straight up admitted it. So oh, that was yeah. good. Yeah. 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 You're I, still funny, by the way. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> thanks. Um, so for my taste, Patton Oswalt is the perfect combination here of stubborn and somewhat aggressive without being mean or mm. intimidating, yeah. which I think is perfect for the vibe of this show. Yeah. Um, this episode in general definitely had a running theme of competition from Leslie competing with Garth, Chris competing with Ron and competing with Ben. And yep. Roz. Yep. And Herman Lurpus. All three, all three storylines. Yep. Yep. I thought it was, speaking of Patton Oswalt and how much uh, we love him, I thought it was a potential missed opportunity. Not only the Spartacus moment, but could you imagine having Garth Blunden go up against the one member of the Parks and Rec gang that could probably go toe-to-toe with him from a nerd cred perspective? The fantastically nerdy Ben, ben Wyatt. Ben Wyatt, Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Ben would have won that. Yeah. I'm saying he could have rubbed shoulders with him and given him a good fight. Well, he's telling Anne specifics about one book of Game of Thrones, right? I know. If there's one person who could go toe-to-toe with them, it's a great point. It's Ben. Yeah. Um, this Nerd off. That would have been fun. Yeah, yeah. This would have made me giddy in the same way that I became giddy watching the punching bag Royale. When you had punching bag Jerry and punching bag Kyle going toe-to-toe, wondering who would come on top. Yep. I'm, I'm sad like that. But it would have made me so, so happy. Also... <clears throat> math nerd alert. Oh God. If you take 
so Chris and Ron had their their ending, right? And they yeah. total the tabulation of the files and yes. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. If you take Chris's total, all yeah. right, of 268, yeah. and Ron had 384, so clearly it seems like Ron's the winner. Sure. But check this out. If you assume Jerry had an hour to file for Chris and an hour to file for Ron, which is fair. Yeah. And if you take into account that Jerry wasted 20 minutes, one third of that time uh, telling Gail yeah. how happy he was his rate per productive minute ah, is actually higher, higher than Ron's and undoubtedly much more effective when you bring accuracy into it. Great point. Put another way, you take 268 figure that was really only 40 minutes of work. Extrapolate that out to an hour. Chris's number would have been 50% higher or 402, which wow. is unquestionably higher than Ron's raw number of 384. And again, doesn't even take accuracy into, into account. account. Wow. Mark I, filibuster over. <laughs> I got to admit, I'm impressed. That that's that's that is nerdy, but but it's very interesting to think of. It's it, because there is a real undercurrent of truth in this yes. episode about motivation. There right? are different managerial styles. You and I have both experienced yep. them. All kidding aside, sure we have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say I, I have a small nitpick. Uh, often I judge the use of the deep comedic bench by how well they use Donna and Jerry. Uh, two characters who often get the short end of the stick for, from a scenes or a lines perspective. Yeah. Here, I thought they actually did a pretty good job with both of them. However, I couldn't help feeling like Tom and Andy were kind of wasted. Like they, 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 they each had some okay moments. Like Andy streaking into the lake naked—that's that's always good for a laugh, yeah. Yeah. even pre-Star Lord. Yeah. But largely, they weren't that memorable. Nor did they really add anything. I feel to the Leslie Garth storyline in general. I was okay with this, as they all had some decent scenes and lines. It, I just wanted to make note of it. It's, that's it's a good point. It's not not a perfect episode. All right. So how good of an episode was it? Let's find out. Dot dot dot. Mark score <laughs> incoming. I'm going to give this sucker a 4.5 base score. All the stories I thought were actually decent. Not great, but each one had a certain spirit of wackiness to them that I appreciated. Plus, they had the ongoing common central theme, which I really appreciated. I'm going to give an extra full bonus point for my episode MVP, Patton Oswalt, as the one and only Garth Blunden. I'm going to give half a point for what I thought was a nice list of guest stars, not including Patton Oswalt, but... Going on to the uh, the councilman crew, uh, John Glazer as Councilman Jam, James Green as Councilman Milton, Kevin Simons as Sexy Dexy, Councilman Dex Hart, Yvonne's Jordan as Councilman Hauser. Um, you also had Theodore <clears throat> Ted, uh, played by Brian Stack, and of course, Lousy with Lurpuses, Richard Birch, playing Herman Lurpus, the owner of the Pawnee Pawn Shop, who's always funny. I'm going to give a, a full point for what I called um, the runner-up combo. If you take Patton Oswalt out of the picture for a second, I thought that Leslie and Anne were both great in their own storylines and deserve mention. You know, if, if Patton wasn't in this episode, I'd probably pull my MVP list from there. Um, I'm going to give a point to what I call the B story combo. I thought Chris and Ron and April all did a decent job, almost equally in the B story. Mm. Like Ron had some very satisfying uh, uh, alpha male Swanson-esque, you know, moments. Chris was the eternally happy and optimistic Chris that I like the best, um, seeing the best in everything. And April proved in some ways wiser than either of them, having her own definitive victory moment. Well done. Well done. I'm going to give half a point for what I call the little moments combo. Anne's creation of the hideous breakfast beast. Uh, <laughs> Garth running by, look at my hoop, Leslie, eating goober peas. He's so 
effing funny. <laughs> April's final victory scene where she like steals money and steals Ron's watch. Oh, and, yeah. and then Andy streaking naked into the lake. So half point for all those wonderful little moments. <laughs> I'm going to give another half point, my final half point for what I call the resolution combo. All storylines had a nice resolution. Not only uh, uh, nice, but satisfying and smart, in my opinion. So that you add all those crazy mark points up, you come out to 9.0 Little Sebastians. I, I think, once again, the technical score for this episode is lower than how I felt about it at the end. Um, I would go as far as to say if Patton Oswalt, who I love, 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 wasn't... Do you like him? Oh, my God. If he wasn't in this episode it may have scored as much as a whole point lower, mm. but he was. And Mark's final score stands at 9.0 little Sebastians. That's my review. Scuba has been rocked. Alan, take it away. Nice job, Mark. Um, I, I'll start with my MVPs so I don't forget them. I won't do that reversey thing again. That didn't work <laughs> yeah. that well. Uh, I, I co-MVP'd this week. I did Patton Oswalt. Uh, I mean, it's hard not to. Right. Along with Amy Poehler. Um, I get that. I, I can, it just she did such a great job in this, and she was all over, and it was all the good Leslie manicness and over preparation, and yet felt real and was well acted, of course, by Amy Poehler. But generally, I thought it was just well done, right? Well written and well executed. So, and again, you get somebody with that much dominance in the screen time as a single shot guest star. You know, you're going to give up a lot in an episode, right? Yep. And I think that speaks to the bench balance a little bit. I found it interesting that because Donna and Jerry had the bigger plot lines this week in this episode, I mean, someone had to lose, right? I mean, so as you put it, you know, we, it was Tom and Andy, I guess, at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So, um, but again, I, you know, I'm okay with sharing the love, I guess, in the sense that sometimes some weeks certain stars cast members get more time than others right i don't mind if andy backs out of the spotlight as long as it goes on someone else who yeah. deserves it i'm okay with that and when he was in it it was classic st sweet stupid andy right, right you know funny stuff right maybe tom was the one that probably was more of a functionary this week because someone's almost always the functionary yeah. right? and because of the way this one was plotted and scripted i think it was tom for sure um, but I, I didn't really have a problem with that, honestly. I will say that if you look at Patton Oswalt's screen time overall, he had six minutes and 15 seconds in the canon episode. So, you know, that is a four-way tie, basically, with Jonathan Joss, who's in many episodes, mm -hmm. okay? Sam Elliott, who's in two episodes, and Kristen Bell, who's only also in one episode. Wow. So, and they come in roughly at number 47, 48, 49, and 50. I mean, it's a tie, so, but they're they're that low in the list, and yet one episode and you get that high on the list. So yeah. kind of interesting to think of. I mean, it's still not as crazy, crazy as Fred Armisen. Right? Oh yeah. Who's like in the thirties or something with one episode. Cause yeah, but we won't revisit that episode. Here. Right to jail. Yeah. Right to jail. But um, overall, I really liked this episode and I, and I did it like you, I enjoyed the patent stuff and, uh, and I think I enjoy the lore of this episode as much as I enjoyed the episode itself. I went back and I rewatched it several times as we did our work on this. And I think from a technical perspective, I kind of came in maybe a little lower, more like an eight. And, and I think that's probably where I would have been, but I, like you, went with how I felt about it. And I rounded up. I came in at 8.5. I didn't quite give it a full nine like you did. Um, my man crush maybe is just slightly less than yours. It has I don't to know, be. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but, um, but I thought it was a really good episode. It's a memorable episode, and I enjoyed it for sure. But again, like I've said, we've both said many times, the Parks and Rec, eight and a half is not a bad score. Right. 
Right, right. Not at all. Definitely enjoyable. So like we said, uh, you go out and check out those things on your own time. We don't have time to walk you through them here, folks, but uh, they're worth a watch. And uh, I think you'll, you'll, you'll be glad you did. Absolutely. And I, and I have to say, just as a, as a Patton Oswalt super fan, I, I know that he's been all over the place by this point in 2023. Yeah. And he's been in all sorts of voiceovers oh, and all yeah, sorts he's of TV everywhere. shows. Yeah. If you are at all interested, I would highly, highly recommend you go back to his first comedy album, Feeling Kind of Patton. Mm. His next one, Werewolves and Lollipops, oh, they are absolutely one. hysterical if you like his brand of humor. When do we, when does he get, so my f- two favorite classic patent bits i guess are probably sweatpants and kfc so when do we get those like how far into the album (laughs) i think kfc is from werewolves and lollipops i think it might be the first version now there's a second one that's equally famous and i played them for my wife and daughter just like maybe two weeks ago and they're so funny i think the sweatpants one comes a couple albums later because that's once he's had his daughter oh you're right and he, he kind of reverses his opinion on sweatpants. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. They're brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the phrase nut funk has never left my brain since. <laughs> Nor should it. Uh, uh, the, and the word helic, uh, re- re- referencing the KFC, a helic of shame and a sadness fall. Is yeah, that that's is? pretty good. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. check those out. You'll be glad you did. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back next week with season five, episode 20, Jerry's Retirement. What? Yeah. I didn't know he was retiring. This came as a shock to me. I wonder if everyone else was prepared. I don't really want to be here now. I don't understand what we're doing. All right. Jerry's retirement. We'll do it next week. We'll find out. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week, and we'll see you next week, everyone. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompani.com for more details or to contact us.